Hi guys, welcome to Psychic Babes. I'm your host, Kirsten Sandifer. Today I have an interesting episode for you. It's called Welcome to Crazy Town. Now, the title of this episode came from, I was talking with a friend from high school who asked me what an awakening is like, and I had to think about it for a minute, but I think what I came up with is pretty funny and also pretty accurate. It's like opening the doors to crazy town and not being able to shut them. And by crazy town, I mean a crazy town where Axl Rose is the president, Martha Stewart's the vice president, Flavor Flav is the secretary, and Bernie Madoff is the treasurer. You know, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense at first. And if I'm being honest, it still doesn't make a ton of sense to my rational third dimensional mind. But to your subconscious, it'll resonate kind of like a nuclear bomb might resonate. You know you know all too well it's exactly the right answer and it's where you're supposed to be. But I'll be honest, it's not a whole lot of fun. Especially since the only people that really talk to you about it are ones who don't understand um, and then ones who kind of really want to see how crazy, quote-unquote, you really are. And for somebody who's never had anyone call them crazy, I'm very practical, down-to-earth person, <laughs> there have been far too many people saying this to me since my awakening that kind of borders on funny, but I can't help but feel that it is part of my process and purpose to help you guys go through your own awakening process, too. And I feel like if I had had um, an outline or an understanding of what was going to happen to me, I think it would have been a lot easier. So... I do, uh, I can say that I've noticed a series of stages that people seem to go through, and I don't believe that everybody's awakening happens in these stages, but um, there is a common thread or common flow, you know, to the events that an awakening brings and how it slowly starts to transform your life. Looking at the awakening, looking at the awakening process and stages also can help you to simplify things and to understand what's going to happen moving forward. So let's start with the definition of awakening. What does it really mean to awaken? It's fair to say that awakening is a journey from limitation to freedom and from unconscious to conscious. So whether you intentionally choose to take this journey or an unexpected experience propels you on your path, once you start there isn't really any turning back. The cool thing about going through the awakening process is that you don't really give two shits anymore what somebody thinks about it if they come from a place of judgment. So, and for the real, people that really seek to understand it, for those people, you guys are kind of my reason for doing stuff like this. But Recently, somebody I cared about told me my gifts were bullshit, like my psychic gifts, which didn't really strike me too odd. I mean, it's not the first time that somebody's said that to me, but it struck a chord with me, not because it hurt me, you know, because I've grown a lot and I really wouldn't get too upset if somebody didn't understand it because not everybody's going to understand it. And it's also one of those things that people have to come to in their own time. And I also knew it had less to do with me than, you know, it had to do with stuff that they were dealing with. But this time it struck a chord because I instantly knew that my gifts weren't bullshit because I was dangerously correct with what I was telling them and they didn't like it. So when you hit people with truth that points out problems they are overlooking, they like to go ahead and label you as bullshit or crazy or whatever. But if you think about it, Everybody has these gifts. These aren't something that are really um, 
unique to me as far as people that have gone through an awakening. Everybody will will be able to discover their own gifts as well. So <clears throat> I don't, I guess I don't, I'm going to say that I don't need judgment in my life anymore. I mean, people that try to say things hurtful, um, you know, people make mistakes, but people that come from a place of judgment, it just begins to become a non-issue for you. You just don't want to deal with it. And, you know, on the broader scope, you also will, those people will kind of go away from your life. Once you awaken and you start to vibrate on a higher level, those, those people just kind of won't appear in your life anymore. Unless you don't deal with a certain issue, then they'll come back in. So, But you also don't feel the need to educate small-minded people, not because you're better than they are, but because you know that they'll come to it in their own time. That's the thing about the truth, you know, it's everyone will come to see it in their own good time. So slamming it down their throat um, doesn't do anybody any good because they won't be ready for it. And then it could be a kill the messenger type deal where they will blame you for waking them up, (laughs) you know, um, And it isn't your decision or your place to wake anyone up to the truth. And it's a far greater knowing to understand that given time, they will all see the truth for themselves. So going through an awakening process begins with one of three things happening that I've figured out in my research. And that's usually something traumatic happening to to trigger a dissociation of self or a simple beginning to doubt and question that there's more to life and more to life than we're being told, really. You can also come to it through meditation or spiritual practice um, or also through contact with nature. So around a quarter of the people that have had spiritual awakenings um, have occurred around people having more contact with nature. And that's probably because nature grounds you and it shows you the infinite um, possibilities to our existence and that everything is one. So it happens as a natural evolution of your soul when you're ready. The more you seek out this connection with your soul through meditation, transformation, prayer, inner child work, shadow work, past life regression, Reiki, etc., the quicker you'll start to unravel this process. It is a process, though, and often you'll waver in between steps and go through them again and again and again until you've uh, fully purged your old behavior. And even then, it will occur to teach you different things. So there are stages that are definitive for, or not definitive for everyone, but everyone will go through some version of these, okay? So you can set the stage for an awakening, but you can't create an awakening. You can clear the runway and lift the fog so you can see there's like a huge jumbo jet blocking your way, but you can't... um, you can't make the jet move. So the best reasoning I have heard for coming into association with trauma is called spiritual alchemy. And I love this. This is kind of like your body's mind and spirit balancing one another out. And in my case, I went through my spiritual awakening um, when my marriage unraveled. And the releasing of attachments and the ego and self are some of the more difficult things to let go of. Even the building blocks of this ego are seemingly insurmountable losses, but you recover and you let go of those too. And my experience was a 
definitive questioning of everything. Why was this happening to me? Um, You know, my daughter was only a baby at the time. Why now? Why, why, why? But in the end, you realize that it's about letting go of that which no longer serves you. And what happens in your brain, namely, is one where more activity is shown in the parietal cortex and in the inferior parietal lobe which is the portion that's responsible for sense of self, so awareness of others. So this makes sense um, why people lose themselves in a spiritual awakening. You lose your sense of self, right? So they also determine that spiritual practices thicken your prefrontal cortex while depression thins it. So this is in part responsible for executive function, um, planning and behavior modification. So there was a study done where researchers recruited 27 adults from around the New Haven, Connecticut area, and they were each asked to recall a time when they had a spiritual experience. So this helped to build what research, researchers called their imaginary script or their imagery script. So the volunteers were asked to recall a stressful and peaceful experience. One week later, the participants were put into an, F- um, an fMRI machine and made to listen to a recording of a neutral female voice who was recounting their experiences back to them. And the pattern that was exhibited when a spiritual experience was recounted was the same across all volunteers. So more activity was shown in the parietal cortex, um, increased attention, and less activity occurred in the left inferior parietal lobe the IPL. So this region is responsible for self-awareness and awareness of others again. So researchers believe this is why we lose ourselves during a spiritual awakening because you are in union with the divine and you realize everything is connected. So the medial thalamus and the caudate are areas which process sensory input and emotions. They also displayed reduced activity. So it helps you get in control of your emotions. The first thing that I noticed was the pruning away that any, of anything that wasn't pure and essential. Smoking, I quit smoking, check, gone. Eating right, check. Drinking, gone. Um, I, wanted to, I didn't want to put anything in my body that was a chemical. So that was the first thing that I really noticed. But the first stage um, in, in the awakening was a sort of glimpsing or shock and awe. So... Happiness is usually based on external things, but in order to feel happy, we try to control our reality, so other people, places, and experiences. And although we attempt to control our lives for happiness and security, it's more likely that we let our emotions rule, you know, and our actions and our reactions um, are based on that. So it's the pushing off point where you're given new glimpses of reality, a new perception which leads you to look at life a lot differently. And you have a choice to make at this juncture, which is to awaken or to go back to sleep. And honestly, I think, you know, thinking back, I don't think it was really ever a choice, but it was. So once you awaken, it's very, very difficult to go back, though. It's a bit like ignoring a huge Mack truck in your way. You can pretend it's not there, but you'll have the courage to go around and pass it in order to see what awaits you on the other side. But even if you don't, it still won't make it disappear again. You know what I'm saying? So the second stage would be choosing a path. We all question our identity, right? But we still hold on to it because we must continue to prove our worth to the world. And we don't know it yet, but we are beginning to see ourselves outside of our human identity. And as we question the roles we play, 
We might feel lost and even betrayed by others or life in general, but you're faced with the rationalization that your limited worldview can no longer contain your expanding awareness. And you come to realize that your life is on a spiritual journey. This is often marked by a period of intense learning, information gathering, self-study into world religions or psychology, and you're drawn to practice methods that align to your unique personality and disposition. Now, for myself, it was... um, researching everything about past life regression and um, pretty much learning about um, occult beliefs in every culture um, throughout history. So, But there are four definitive paths that they talk about um, on your awakening when you choose your path, and that's the path of love and devotion, the path of science and intellect, the path the path of action and self-service, and the path of meditation and all its related disciplines. So for mine, um, it was a mix of love and devotion and science and intellect. So you might engage in yoga, you might meditate, you might, um, you know, you, you might you might do lots of different things. But in this stage, You're also pruning down old relationships and friendships that no longer serve you, and you'll make the decision whether to continue on with certain affiliations. Like if something doesn't serve you, but you see something in them that you know that you you know that you can um, help with, then you might you might choose to continue on with certain affiliations. Um, For me, discontinuing some of those affiliations was um, difficult, and continuing to be active in my church was one of them. I am, um, well, I was born and raised Catholic, and then I converted to the Church of Latter-day Saints. And I just couldn't, I couldn't rectify anything with religions. I couldn't do it. And for some people will say, oh, and they'll misunderstand and think it's because I lost my sense of God, but it's actually much, much deeper and bigger than that. And I didn't lose my sense of God. In fact, I know exactly who God is more intimately than I ever have before. So it just didn't have anything to do with religious affiliations. I couldn't be associated with anything um, with religion. Um, it also triggered triggered my heart chakra to fully open and let go of anger with my ex, you know, with my husband and with friends, etc. And mainly dependency, possessiveness, jealousy, I let go manipulation, um, and over sacrificing, you know, for things and my self esteem. Really, um, when I did a lot of shadow work, um, that really helped let go of a lot of this stuff. And it helped me embrace my whole self and to love everything about myself, not, you know, just certain things. So stage three is seeking and discovering your spiritual gifts and following a path. So discovering a spiritual routine that takes your path from an isolated exercise to a daily routine. Now for myself, I wake up every morning and when I'm still laying in bed, I'll go through um, and do a gratitude list of everything that I'm grateful for. Then I get up and I meditate and I call in my spiritual team to help me clear anything that, um, you know, that I might need to clear from my dreams from the past night before. Oh, and I also forgot, yeah, I write down in my dream journal the first thing I do when I wake up. Um, I just do a stream of consciousness real quick um, 
five minute thing of what what I dreamt about because you'll also you'll find that your dreams are often um, times when you get downloads from the universe when you're getting messages and your dreams will contain a whole lot more than just nonsense so in this stage you begin to shift your identity from the external and your ego to internal references such as stillness intuition and higher guidance and it's at this point that some amazing things start to happen. You're lighthearted. You're increasingly lighthearted. Your happiness and joy become your centered state, really, and you take life a lot less seriously. Hysteria and melodrama um, have less of an influence over you, and you, don't, you aren't really prone to episodes of that kind of stuff. And you fo- feel more at ease in life. The second thing of ease is which your desires are filled um, now, it's interesting because at this point, you'll start to figure out how easy manifestation really is. And you'll also come to find out that the things you thought you would want to manifest before in your life aren't really that important. So um, you'll experience a lot more synchronicities, you know, seeing 11-11, 2 um, different things of, like that, um, more miracles and experiences of grace. Um, It was during this time that I started to want to develop this podcast, and I wanted to share with others the things that I had discovered. I also want to note, like, I'm a very practical person, and it's not easy for me to change. At least it wasn't up until this point. In fact, I hated change. Um, So this this was something that I fought tooth and nail. But nevertheless... I'm so grateful for it. Um, Stage four is a loss of sight. So this stage is a little bit scary. Paranoia, you can also trigger a dark night of the soul, which is D-knots, some people call it. But there are threshold guardians, and these are barriers that are literal or or figurative that stand in your way of important turning points in your life. So that could be enemies, exes, rivals, limiting beliefs, or setbacks that will repeat it and knock you down and test your resolve, making sure that you have actually learned the lessons that you're supposed to learn. So these setbacks make you question your chosen path. They really do. At this stage, you might feel helpless, but often you don't realize that the blindness or this helplessness will strengthen you in the long term. And the only way out um, is through, which Robert Frost said. I love that. And from this darkness is the only way that you can fully emerge into the light. This stage was really, (laughs) really scary for me. Um, I thought I was going crazy, to be quite honest with you. Um, I've been through it a few times as I've stumbled and I'll revert back to old ways of thinking. And I hadn't learned my lesson yet, so I found that through learning my lesson I found my way out again but I had this distinct notion that my computer was hacked um, and I would think crazy things like that Um, there was you know people watching me and stuff like that which that was just me letting go of my ego it was truly something that I was manifesting into existence so my computer was actually hacked but It was something that, um, and those of you that have been through an awakening will understand, it was something that I, I created actually because of, you know, my still trying to hold on to my ego and my importance in life. So, and I've, I've let go of this, um, entirely and it was just not important. And 
this this thing about moving out of this stage. You accept certain things the way they are. You don't try to change them, and you let certain you don't let certain things dampen or hinder your path. So stage five is coming out of this and seeing and emerging with your path. So you'll own your spiritual gifts. You'll reintegrate with your soul, and it's at this stage that a permanent shift permanent shift has taken place, and you have awoken to your new identity. You are a divine observer. And you realize that you and Source or God um, are all one and that there is a unity with every single divine being here on earth and that we're all part of the divine creator. So if you do harm to someone else, you're actually doing harm to yourself too. So these stages are by no means set in stone. Um, They're fluid and like the individual being that you are, you'll realize that even though you're one with source, they will all share the same qualities, but they all don't occur in the same way or pattern for everyone. Now, here's the thing I want to make sure everybody knows. This is not something that's easy. And if you aren't ready for it, then it is going to rock the very foundation on which your person was built. And fundamentally, it's going to change you, but it will change you for the better. But it isn't rainbows and roses, and at times it's very scary and very lonely. But it is by far the most satisfying experience I've ever had, and you will be forever changed by it. I often made myself a victim of circumstance before. I want to say in my previous life, but, you know, because it kind of feels like that. It feels like since my awakening, I'm a different person. So, um, now... I freed myself from a lot of this victimhood, and that was one of the most satisfying experiences yet. And I took charge and responsibility for my own life and claimed it as such. And you also figure out your own intrinsic worth, which is awesome because you don't feel a need to prove it to others at all. You lead by example instead of, you know, through words. Um, You're motivated by action. And there's also an important lesson that came up. A lot of people will be compelled to teach, but not for a desire of power, because it's one more thing that brings you joy. And teaching, I found that some people like to teach, especially in this genre, to become a guru or to get people really um, kind of not to teach them how to figure things out on their own, but to have to be like you know, there for them to hold their hand through every step. And that's not how you should teach somebody. That's that's the incorrect way to teach. Um, it shouldn't be for a sense of power or control. It should be something that brings you joy and to, you know, for you to help other people. So you don't attempt to make anyone believe anything, right? You want them to learn for themselves and you empower them to empower themselves, Concepts of good and bad and duality, those dissolve, really. And you begin to see everything as it is, pure love. So another great thing was emotions no longer rule me. Um, I have the ability to master my thoughts and emotions, and a higher self reintegrates into your body. So there, there are a couple things to keep in mind. We are all a spiritual reflection of the divine creator, as above, so below, if you're into um, hermetics. 
We have 24 strands of DNA, and we've been told that only two strands are used and the rest is junk DNA. This isn't so. We all need to discover who the divine you really is. Like, And the attempt from my understanding is this, and please take what resonates with you and leave the rest, because no one knows everything, and we can only attempt to access all of that knowledge by sharing knowledge with one another and by coming to this understanding on our own timeline. You can't force anyone to undergo an awakening, nor will you find it has any purpose but to fulfill your own ego. So I've, in my opinion, the purpose is this, to awaken our light bodies and to begin the next stage of human evolution. And this integration will allow us to expand our lifeline, expand into altered states of consciousness, and to access realities within other dimensions. We will no longer be isolated from parallel universes, and we will take on a higher existence and become co-creators of our own reality. Now, belief of conspiracy is a state of mind, so a set of mind, really. It doesn't mean that there isn't a dark plan going on under the surface designed to enslave humanity, but there's also a plan of love and happiness going on. And it's kind of your responsibility to figure out which side of the coin you know, you lie on. In the book, Law of One by Ra, they talk about two distinct paths. One is service of self, and one is in service to others. So, now whatever you choose is fine. Don't let anybody, you know, um, see you as less than for choosing the path of self. But, in my personal experience, I've chosen the, plat- the path of service to others, and it has made all the difference. So choose which path you're going to take and decide to delve into these different subjects and to embrace your spiritual awakening if you're going through it. And if you're not, then get out in nature ground yourself and try to meditate and experience different things and try to get into a state where you know yourself really well meditation is really the only way to to access that kind of stuff so i wish you all luck and um happiness Because that's really what this is all about, love and happiness.